0: Hi, I'm Tony Fair, founder of Victorian Grooming Company. Is your beard feeling dry or the skin underneath itchy? Maybe you'd rather soften and tame your beard instead. Our classic collection of beard oils, balms and soaps will leave your beard looking, feeling and smelling amazing. And if you prefer shaving, our pre-shave oils and
1: shave soaps will give you a smooth and razor burn free shave. Handmade in Edmonton with natural ingredients, visit victoriangrooming.com. Craig here, welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to Sal, aka DJ Skinny Brown. Now Sal was born in Canada, he spent the last 16 years in Shanghai, and he has worked on Shanghai TV for the past 13 years, doing much of their entertainment content, celebrity and entertainment news and interviews. And we talk about the interviews he did with Tony Bennett, Slash, and the Beach Boys. For 14 years, he's been doing a party called Papa Suda at the famous Dada. And Vice TV did a documentary back in 2013. Now Sal has been able to go all over the world doing his DJ. And he also writes feature parenting articles for Parents and Kids magazine. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Craig Your Story at podbean.com. We have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We're on all the major streaming services at Tell Craig Your Story. We have a YouTube account. Make sure you're subscribing and liking. We have VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Sal aka skinny brown on tell craig your story podcast hey sal how you doing today
0: pretty good man thanks for having me no
1: worries thanks for your time first up your son's a bit of a daredevil. He's had a little bit of an accident. He's, he's doing okay.
0: Yeah, man. He's doing all right. He was skateboarding. hit the kicker pretty fast. Landed hard. Fractured his foot. So oh he's kind of bummed out. That was like his entire holiday, which kind of sucked. Uh, it was also like my entire holiday, which kind of sucked because it was just like chilling at home. Like, something's like butlering for like a small child the entire past week. <laughs> just like, right. he can't move. Like, he's in a mobile, So he's like, you got to get him stuff all the time and like. No, he's not trying to be, like, a dick about it. He's, like, a pretty nice dude. But kids, by nature, they need a lot of stuff. he's so like, can I have that? Like, can you get that for me? So he's, you, you can't really sit down and chill, you know? <laughs> yeah, I tried to watch, like, I tried to watch TV. I was just, like, up every five minutes. Like, here's water, buddy. Oh, here's your nuts you required. Here's, like, <laughs> and here's how, that, like, fruit bar you wanted.
1: How old is he now? Yeah. He's nine. He's nine years old. Oh, yeah. Getting I mean, into that almost teenage uh, couple yeah, years ago. Yeah,
0: yeah and all of his friends are like 25 to 35 year old maniacs so he's got a bit of an attitude <laughs> yeah so he's kind of you know he skates it was cool he bailed pretty hard he was in the hospital and then um all the dudes from the skate shop they're all a bunch of like 25 you know 27 year olds all like sent messages like yo man like come back and let's skate dude it was really that yeah, was sweet it was like a really nice thing to do yeah
1: so, so cool saw some videos of him uh, skating as well he's Looks like he's doing good. Yeah,
0: he's he's good. For like a 9-year-old kid, he's good. Like he doesn't like skate like like he's like a lot of the dudes here who skate like on the on the local teams here kind of like they take it more like gymnastics. They do it like drills and stuff and they're kind of you know, they're almost like robotic. They're really really good, but they kind of go straight lines. They hit it hard and it's just very super ultra clean. Yeah. So he's like got a bit of like he's more street. He's got more style, <clears throat> a bit more flow in the way he moves did you skateboard yeah i love skateboarding yeah i love i can't anymore i mashed up my knee like a like two years ago in a scooter accident man because that Uh. that happens you know yeah you've been here long enough you're gonna get hit by a car oh yeah that's (laughs) just like inevitable (laughs) you know it's a matter of time but as a result i can't skate as much so sometimes i still skate with them
1: did you do it amateurly or professionally or
0: no no i was never that good i just skate i just like love skateboarding it's the coolest sport man like the physics the physics and the math are just like insane it's a rolling piece of wood man if you're like like if anyone wants to tell you like hey i have this rolling piece of wood at home and i like kicked it in 360 degrees both ways on a handrail down 12 stairs and like got (laughs) back on it you'd be like that doesn't make any sense man oh you didn't that's not true like you didn't do that that's lies man that's craziness but it's it's cool it's a cool it's a cool sport and i'm happy he does it
1: yeah that's awesome just before we come here yeah, had a little adventure trying to get here.
0: Oh yeah, man! I tried to come to your home. <laughs> yeah. I, went to, I went to the address which you gave me, which was not, which was this, which was not you, not my address. Yeah, no. I went. I went to Building Twenty Five and Apartment One Hundred Two. Walked on in, and some dude with like a saw, just like sawing. I don't know what he was sawing. I think it was like the legs off a chair or like a bucket or something. But he, he had a saw, and he was like, "Why are you in my house?" And I, was like, I <laughs> "This is. Not, I I'm here to see a friend. This is. Is this not the address?" Like. Yeah. Like, this is this not Building 25, apartment 102? And he's like, yes, it is. I live here. And I'm like, oh, okay then.
1: <laughs> That's what happens when you can't read Chinese and you just send it uh, like, where am I? Okay, I'm here. And yeah, it didn't send it to one, it sent it to...
0: So right, he, he was, like, he was in a, like a really nice guy. Okay. He just, you know, gave me the thumbs up that Chinese like, Chinese is so good. <laughs> he gave me like, a, a solid like thumbs up. And I was like, yeah, thanks, man. Let's do this. Been a lot of like just screw faces today. You Kind of yeah, getting, e- e- looking <laughs> at you like what? The, what are you? What, the, what are you doing, man? Even, at, a-
1: even at the restaurant.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those like old sushi's are like serious screw mm, face. Yeah, it's on the microphone. Like oh oh, you're up to no good.
1: So so. Fourteen years in yeah, Shanghai or China. Eight. So I
0: don't know. 15, 14, I don't know. I can't do math. But yeah, it's been a lot of years.
1: It's a long time. What was the initial? reason for coming to shanghai what, what sort of motivated you
0: i was living in japan at the time i'd right. i'd I'd, 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 come, I'd go i'd moved from australia to japan i had been in japan i was living in japan for a year
1: you said you lived in australia as well
0: yeah i lived in australia for like a year and i really liked it I was in a small town called lismore
1: all oh, right
0: yeah big up lismore man mullen bibby the shannon Large up, big up, big up, like a new. South there Florida. you go.
1: Yeah. What a small world. Exactly. I, I, well, I'm from Newcastle. Lismore is probably like a. Oh,
0: it's. Uh, I drove my car there. It was like a eight ten or nine. twelve hour yeah. drive. It was a mission, yeah. but it was cool. It was like I like that neighborhood, man. It's just like. Macadamia farms and avocados and like hippies, man, serious serious hippies out that way.
1: Yes, the farm. But
0: I'm I'm gonna retire out there, man. That's my plan. I love I loved it out there. I was working at a record store. Chilling. Yeah, right. We're like 20 minutes, maybe a 20 minute drive from Byron Bay, from Nimbin, from there. Like you go. The Shannon, not even Shannon, the Shannon. Like,
1: were you doing DJing in Australia as well?
0: Uh, I was for a minute, and then, um, I needed to like stay longer. I didn't want to like pick fruit or nothing, so I got a teaching degree. Right. So I went and like it was the easiest way. It was like a one-year degree. It was super chill. I didn't even really go to classes to be honest. It was, I don't know. I just paid for it, and then I occasionally went to some classes, and they gave me a teaching degree. So I have a teaching degree now. (laughs) There you go. But it gave me a chance to like live in Australia for like a year and I guess a year and a half. I loved it, man. It was super chill out there, dude. When I moved into my apartment, the dude like the landlord. I remember he, he was like, he was, he was like, look man, I can't do a good job he was like, look Mike there's a python on the ceiling, I can get him out for you, but if I do, you'll have rats. And I'm like, well, I don't want rats.
1: <laughs> and then like, he straight up like,
0: yeah, so the python was there, but I never really saw him. I just saw like a piece of him like, go through his like, little kind of really crappy ceiling board. when one was broken in the like, little hole and you just see like a part of his body go through it. wow But yeah, it was um, it was cool. Flying foxes, man. You know, like a fox with wings. It's yeah. Huge. It's like a dog with wings, man. Yeah. That's a real thing. People don't believe me when I tell them. I'm like, it's not a bat. It's a flying fox, man. It looks like a fox with wings. It's huge. It's like <laughs> it's massive. And they go in flocks, man. Yeah. It's not like one or two of them. You know, it's a ton of them. Oh yeah. And they if you have like a fruit tree, they chill in your fruit tree and they crap on the hood of your car and rust it out. <laughs> it's like, a, it's, dude, it's sort of like that's monster shit, man. Like, it's crap can rust your car. Like that's madness if you think about that, you know. Yeah. Brown snakes and insects
1: yeah and did you see some shows there in byron bay
0: yeah i saw tons i was djing with uh cora they're like a band from New Zealand, like a kind of metal reggae band i played with fat freddy's drop they came down and played a show pretty much like anything reggae related for like that entire year i just i played all their shows like the only guy with like reggae right so like, like proper jamaican reggae so they were like come through and play some reggae but yeah, I did a ton of stuff at the beach hotel, and uh, I was playing at Lalaland, some ha- more houseier stuff, right. which was super fun. Yeah, it was yeah. nice, man. I really, really enjoyed mm. Australia. It was like the year two. It was two thousand and seven, so I don't know. I'm not sure or two thousand and six. Sorry, so I don't know. I heard Byron's a bit different now.
1: It's very touristy.
0: Yeah, there used to be like tons of bands would just come through. Like yes. Like amateur bands would just be playing like well, every st- weekend.
1: They're still doing the big festivals there from what I from sure. what I see, like blues festivals and jazz festivals. and. I
0: mean, Brisbane's cool too, man. I like Brisbane. Yeah. Brisbane's dope.
1: Yeah, it's very close to the border there.
0: I liked Australia. Mm-hmm. A tiny bit racist, but like fun racist. So I was like, okay with that.
1: Like a joking... No, no. Uh-huh. Like, like just Seriously? so silly. There's uh-huh.
0: like a lot of like refugees and stuff down there. It's so, like, the, I am like, I was walking through this like parking lot, like 4am after playing some gig in like Lismore. And these users are like, hi, Darkie, go back to Uganda. Was it? Uganda, go back to Uganda. I'm like, no, like no way. We're, like, we're really? Like, come on. No. Like, I'm like, you know, you can't be mad at that. You can't even be angry. Like, hey, Darkie, go back to Uganda. I'm like, oh, dude, <laughs> <laughs> you made my night, man. I'm in. Thank you, man. Thank you.
1: Well, you just said that they're very they're very well-educated, but then you've got some that yeah. are not so educated. Yeah, at, I at, guess at they're way.
0: still going to... I mean, if you're at the bar at 4 a.m., there's more... <laughs> That's it's true. not like a... You know, there, it, it gets to a point where it's it's not super chill. Not so many you know? low lawyers or doctors. But it was still like super fun, man. I yeah. mean, it's like super fun. I loved it. People were like lovely and, you know, they're really nice. And, and 90% of the people were like just gems. Yeah. Absolutely awesome people. Yeah,
1: very chill. And I relate that back to Canadian people as well and Canada in general. I've been there. I went there a couple months ago. Just a great vibe. Very, yeah, very were, you chill. Were, you were in Canada? I went to Montreal. Uh, Montreal's First wicked, time, yeah. It's just an underrated city. Yeah, and really just love the chilled atmosphere. And they'd start speaking in French and then I'd go, oh, can I get that from the menu? Oh, yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah, yeah. like immediately. It's, it's completely bilingual. Yeah.
0: That city is <laughs> so underrated, man. That city, like if you've got like a new idea, like art, music, like intellectual, literature, whatever, fashion, design, like that city just supports. Yeah, that right. city's so dope man there's so much music and like art and vibes it's like every corner every piece of that scene's got vibes
1: and i always see like the montreal like uh comedy everyone uh, oh, don't have, right, like sure. the huge big com- scene. yeah yeah, it's a huge yeah scene. comedy show yeah i actually saw jerry seinfeld there it was oh, ama- no amazing how was he was he good <laughs> oh, incredible really? yeah yeah, yeah. just one of those things that you want to tick off the list greatest
0: yeah he's he's, he's a legend so funny that's dope. You mm. saw him in Montreal. Yeah that, yeah, that city's amazing, man.
1: So when you left Australia, you went to I was
0: living in Japan for a year, Japan. 2007. Um, I went on a holiday, Thailand, and then my plane stopped on the way back in Shanghai. I was sitting next to this Italian guy, and he brought me over to um like he this Italian guy like lived in Shanghai. I had a ten hour layover. He was like, Look man, it was like ten it was like ten AM. I had the whole night. Or, sorry, sorry, it's ten PM I had the whole night and he was like, Man, come out. So he brought me this like little bar called Logo, like back in the day. Like this was like one of the first bars, like first underground spots in like Shanghai that mm. really like existed. It was nothing before that, you know? Yeah. It was season logo. I went there and it was reggae, you know, they were playing reggae, which is like what I play. I was like, no way. So yeah, like, right. I was like, yo man, if you have your stuff. And back then I'm, like, I got, it was CDs of so my book of CDs. And, you know, I played a set, you know, during my layover and it was awesome. And I loved it. and. I just never got back on the plane. I had a 72 hour like transit visa. You know, I went back. Uh, um, the guy who ran that place, I'm, I'm not going to say his name. He's a legend. He runs a bunch of spots. Yeah. He was like, um, you know, he helped me get a tourist visa. And then I stayed and I found work and I just never got back on the plane. Yeah. You know, I kept post, I kept telling my, my work. And they were, I, mean, I was working at a bar in Japan. So they were pretty chill about it, but I was still Like, look, I'm not gonna be back. They're a little bit pissed off about it, but we're still friends. Yeah. But I never got back on the plane and Mm -hmm. that was like 15 years ago, I guess. Wow. Yeah, and that was it.
1: The people that I've interviewed that are musicians here or have been musicians at that stage said it was like the Wild West and it was such a good vibe musically. So your opinion, what, what was the vibe like there?
0: I mean, it was a really cool situation for like a number of reasons. Like 2008 was the Olympics and 2010 was the World Expo. So like you had this huge influx of like, like talented expats coming into the city just to help with stuff, just to consult and help build. And you know, to, I mean, China was still kind of young at the time. It It was the first time China was like, Hey world, look at me. So like a lot of people from all over the world were coming in who were like consultants and like artists and designers. And you just had this really cool eclectic crowd of like eyes, and they're all kind of just centered in one area they're mm. all downtown whether that be in the french concession or in jing an it was just this really cool talent pool so you had these guys like making bands and djs coming in and also you know with people coming in you always had shows you know yes. the licenses were um, a little bit simpler <laughs> back then uh so it was just you know you'd Mercedes-Benz Arena was getting like Metallica. and Yeah. You know, and like, I don't know who else played this. There's, there's, there's tons. There, there was just tons of people. Tony Bennett, Niall Rogers. Yeah. Uh, ABBA. And where ABBA came. There was like Broadway musicals. Like it was just this really like anything could happen. You know, if you had the will to do it, Shanghai would facilitate that. Just because that was their like, I guess, like, hey, look at me moment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was cool for nightlife. It just meant a lot of diversity, a lot of music, and you know, a lot of like, I, I guess it was kind of like left to its own devices. Hmm. They're kind of like, do, just do you, go and do you, whatever. We don't really care. Just do your stuff. Hmm. And as a result, it was like really beautiful. It was like, you know, artists and musicians getting together and doing really cool stuff.
1: Do you think that the Chinese have a more of appreciation for music, especially if it's like, different music
0: I mean it's it was different like, like I think back then it was fundamentally like laoai. it was like all of those clubs were mm. like foreign driven right. everyone coming through was foreign driven China was still kind of building up it's like kind of underground scene Like when it comes to like house and techno DJs or mm. reggae DJs or like um, dub or drum and bass or whatever it was like mostly like back then it was like all Laowais which is changed now which is really cool so yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of the introduction. Introduction. I think before, I mean, I got there 2008. Before that, there was a few dudes. There were some like legendary dudes, you know, mm. legends, and I won't drop their names in. But there was like four or five guys, DJs, techno DJs, house DJs, who were like, you know, legends, Huge, yeah. who were like, you know, who kind of brought that stuff to Shanghai. And then there were some Hong Kong guys who were really good DJs and stuff. And yeah. And these guys were kind of like the, I guess the forefront, the beginning. And then once the Olympics and World Expo came, you had a bunch more Lao come through and that diversified. And then um, once, I think around 2018, it kind of just switched over. It was, it, it became more China, China centers. Chinese had learned, I mean, that, that's, you know, 10 years is a generation. Yeah. So like <clears throat> uh, Chinese younger Chinese kids had come up hearing it. Now they wanted to make it right. and do it themselves, and they did, and they did great. And a lot of the older guys were getting old and had families and had kids, and like the Laoai dudes kind of either left or settled down. Mm. And it became more of like a China-centric scene, which is super dope. Is super yeah. cool. So now it's because it is China. You know, like Chinese <clears throat> people are doing cool stuff in China, which is like cool. You look at clubs like All or Even Data. I don't even see now and even some of the bands that are playing and they're mostly like Chinese dudes And yeah. they're just doing like really cool <laughs> stuff And they're getting a lot of recognition for it So that's dope
1: When did you start DJing and then did you have to change the way that you did your performance when you come to China?
0: No, I just did different stuff Like I was DJing, I guess it was a bunch of randomness And I got into reggae in Japan Um Cause Japan's got like a huge reggae scene. And I think that's interesting. Yeah. That that's like, that's it's Japan is like the second biggest reggae scene. now. was of like Kingston, Jamaica is like Yokohama, like big up, wow. my, like mighty crown, like big up mighty, mighty is like was sound system champion. They won some of the biggest reggae competitions, like three years in a row. Those mm. DJs are insane. they th- reggae is a whole different thing. Like reggae, if you want to learn about reggae, go on YouTube and just type in like sound clash. And you can type in Mighty Crown there from Japan. And you can watch them in Jamaica clashing like some yeah, pretty right. heavy sound systems and just destroying like they're, wow. they're strong.
1: Is that where you stayed? Yokohama? Yeah. yeah. What was that like? Because uh, like people that I met there, they said, oh, just go down there only if you've got a spare time. Yeah, like, I mean,
0: right? I, I was there when I was young as well for quite some time. So I think I spent about six years in Japan collectively. So like I'm I have a I I mean I feel like I have a connection like I speak pretty good Japanese you know my I can read and write reasonably well my kanji kind of sucks now it's been a while and I still maintain it you know I have like Japanese friends I still try to maintain it Mm. but um it was cool I was living in like Enoshima which is like the biggest kind of beach outside of Tokyo it's like the it's like the beach to go to it's like where the surfers hang it's like beach bars in the summer it's the center of like reggae it's uh for japan it's like um enoshima yokohama bay fujisawa it's it's a it's a dope spot to be like it's yeah. super chill man it's just it's just it's japan but it's way more laid back
1: and bringing that style to to shanghai did it take a while for the to the fans to get into it i mean or i, I some... didn't like
0: i started at logo Like Mm. the first logo on Shingfulu, not Shingfulu and and Pingbulu, but Shingfulu and Fahwajin. That was the very first one. I started there and it was already a reggae night. Mm. Um, I had just taken over. The two guys who were running it previously had moved and um, started shelter. Right. And they were like, they're legends too. Like big up those guys, man. Like I won't put names in because I don't know if they want that. But big up those dudes, like the shelter guys are legends. Yes. Um, so there was a space for me. It was just, it was just a, such a coincidence. You know, I rolled down, the guy was, I was, was, um, Ali, this Italian guy. And, uh, he was like, look, we need a reggae DJ. And I played and we, we ran that night for two years every Friday and it was madness. Yeah. Right. It was a rat filled, roach, one singular bathroom, just madness. It was wicked. And, um, yeah, we left for two years until they closed. And data opened up and then I just stopped doing like reggae I did a night I started my night Papa Zuda yes which crushes like it still crushes you know it took I love that night so um, you're still
1: doing and, that now right
0: yeah I mean data clo- data Shanghai closed so I don't really have an outlet for just that but I take it to Beijing every few months and I do which is perfect to be honest because I'm the only DJ so I'm playing like eight hour sets Wow. So like I could do, you know, it used to be every month I'd go in there and kill it and was, it was sick. But uh, uh, now I could just, um, I do it once every, once every now and then in Beijing because dad is there and mm. dad is the, co- the club that kind of facilitates it. I can't really do it anywhere else. The music's too, people don't like, they don't get, it, they don't expect it. I know it's, it's a weird, it's hard to explain. It's like, all, it's like global, it's like global music but like made for the dance floor, but from like the farthest reach, I don't know, it's like, I guess, like imagine like some kid in like, some like 14 year old kid in Senegal or something, yeah. like in his bedroom, making beats on his computer on Fruity Loops or something, or some like outdated system or whatever he's making it on. He puts it on SoundCloud and I find it and I'm like, yo, there's like mad potential in this. I then like send that guy like 200 bucks and be like, okay, make that properly and make like four other songs and send them to me. And like i don't i always pay for music and he'll send me like you know four things that he made and they're probably unique and they're cool and they've got some french senegalese vocals in it and some cool senegalese samples that no one's ever heard you know then i'll play it and do that except do that everywhere do that in like ghana and brazil and colombia and yeah, india nice. and you end up and you've been doing it <laughs> i've been doing that party for like 12 or 13 years You've amassed this, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of custom tunes that are just yours. They're not really a genre. Someone's like, do you play house or techno? I'm like, I don't know. I just play, like, stuff that these guys make and give me. Some of it's bass, some of it's house, some of it's dance halls, some of it's, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is, some of it. Some of it's, like, Makosa, some of it's, like, coupe de calais, but all beat up and done for the floor. Yes, You know, comb, that South African stuff that's killing... uh, you know, they also like, do you play Afro house? I'm like, no, man, I don't. I just play stuff that I don't know, <laughs> just stuff. But it, that's why the night has to be there, because people have been going to Data for thirteen years. They come and see that night. They expect it. They know what it's gonna be. Yes, it's, like it's just Papazuda sound. Yeah, you know that's <laughs> why it's called Papazuda. Uh, it, I'm skinny brown, but that's the name of the sound.
1: Right. You know. And <clears throat> how far does it go back in, in Chinese music? history
0: i mean i've been doing that one. first one was 2009 yeah 2009 was the first one i did that with again i won't put names in it but i did that with another fellow who's got another who runs another club now He's also a legend and a great dj yeah but uh yeah it goes back from 2009 man and it was sick like vice came down did a whole thing like like reviewed it about reggae we brought this guy in from jamaica either way it was just every night was awesome and then it kind of slowed down. I got old after, after the uh, COVID lockdowns and stuff. It kind of slowed down. I think I was old and I got tired.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> How was that for you with the COVID? Like, I know it's a difficult time in everybody's life. But for people in Australia, I mean, they don't get to hear those types of stories, especially people living it. So for you, what was that experience like?
0: Well, honestly, man, like, honestly, for me, it wasn't that bad. Like, I, I'm, I'm chill with it yeah i was at home my kid was at home he was studying online so i could hear i could like actually see his classes and hear his classes and be like dude i know what you're up to i can see your homework like dude do your homework man i I know it's there i can see it i heard it it's happening i really liked being able to like see his shit daily that was super cool yeah in terms of just like observing his education for us like i don't know i mean stuff was a bit more expensive to get food we had plenty you know We, we weren't struggling to be honest i know a lot of people were and i mean no disrespect to the ones who were mm. but we were chilling man like i got to work at home i was like rested you know i wasn't yeah. waking up at 6 a.m it's like reasonably well rested mm. i was okay with it man yeah and like i have a nice place it's a decent spot you know i've been here a long time we set at a good spot i had my girlfriend with me my kid with me we were just chilling yeah yeah it was nice
1: you can do it as a positive and a negative. Like you can be a negative and like get all depressed and lonely. And then you can look at it and say, well, hey, these are the things that I want to do for the next time. These, okay, I'm going to listen to new music, read a, read a book that I haven't. Yeah, you
0: know, I had just before that I had ordered, I've never really produced much. I don't really make my own music. Right, mm. I just kind of DJ other people's music. So I've always wanted to like make stuff. So just before COVID hit, I had ordered like, um an 808 a 909 a 303 and uh mp uh what's the uh, roland 404 sampler right so just i had all this time and i had all this equipment and i had all you know i midi patched it all together and i just just made a bunch of music Mm. and i built a live set and as soon as we were back in the clubs the very first thing i played a live set was dope man played like an hour and a half on those live machines it was super fun with samples going off and really making stuff that I wanted to hear, which is really cool. I never had that chance before. And even, even now that I'm back out, you know, stuff's open, I don't have time to like do that, man. Yeah. Like COVID, I made music and I saved money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was very cool to have that, look at your bank balance and go, oh. Yeah, like, oh yeah, wait a minute, oh damn. <laughs> like, no, it wasn't bad. Like, I,
0: you know, and I, and, and I got rest, I got rest, I yes. saved money and I made a ton of music.
1: Well, there you go, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I was actually okay with it.
1: Yeah. And switching topics, I do believe you've also while you've been here, you've been on uh, TV as well. What, yeah, what, that was like
0: you... my first work here. I was uh, an associate producer with uh, uh, Shanghai TV, and it was dope. Yeah, I loved it, man. It was the Best job I've ever had.
1: How did you get involved with that? Like, well, honestly,
0: was... I just put up. I just submitted my resume. Yeah, all right. I always like filmed stuff, you know, like and I had like a small portfolio of stuff that I'd filmed and hmm. little, you know, little crappy travel blogs of you edit and. Uh, this is this is like 2008 2009 so Mm. you know it wasn't online video so I wasn't super active but I had I had enough and uh, originally they hired me for writing right so I was just like writing and helping with scripts and stuff and then I kind of moved up into production I ended up in like entertainment just doing all their like entertainment news and stuff and it was the best wow. job ever man i love it and i saw everyone there was lovely it was great i really really enjoyed it were you
1: on air or just behind i was him?
0: for a bit but i'm a terrible host like i tried <laughs> like i never like i never knew like where to put my hand i was like super awkward and stiff i wasn't a good host but i, I was on tv for a bunch like a whole bunch of stuff back in the day with city beat but, yeah it was dope man it broke my heart to quit that job you know honestly i loved it
1: what was the reason behind it if you don't mind me asking for quitting yeah
0: i mean my kid had to go to school and right. he like international schools are expensive so the international school offered me a job and they're like look it was like the devil's contract you know you know like when they like just you sign your name in blood with like a quill and it's like, <laughs> that's what it was it, it was break like every like stroke of, the, of that pen broke my heart because like, i was just like yeah so i they'd give my kid free tuition man so i went and i taught at a school which i'm currently doing so I'm like, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm still working with them. I still like, I never wanted to leave media because I want to like go back and do it eventually, right? Like when yes. I leave China, my kid doesn't have to go to international school. You know, I don't have to pay like insane tuition. Then I want to be back in media. So I'm still, mm. still working with the TV station now, like almost right. daily, I'm, like doing something just to keep keep my hand in that. Like editing,
1: did you say? Yeah, Ed- sometimes
0: Ed- editing. editing, sometimes with scripts. And like, I know all the reporters there and they're, they're lovely. Like I they they know me and I know them. They're really nice people and like entertainment stuff is fun, man. Honestly, it's just, it's chill and it's fun and you know, and the deadlines are chill and it's just, you know, but when I, I never had a, I never, I, I just do whatever, I'd wake up at like 11, you know, <laughs> so I, so I, I remember like a few weeks, I didn't even go to work, I just, I was at home like a few weeks, you know.
1: That's the law. Yeah, it was great,
0: <laughs> man, it was, I drop my kid off at kindergarten and come home and like go back to sleep, get up, like do a bit of work, you know, make sure the footage was in line and that was done. It was super chill, man. It was a great job. Mm. Interviewed a million people, like anyone who ever came to China, yeah. Pretty much from 2009 until 2018. If they did something here, I
1: interviewed them. Well, who's who? And I have a I have a small list. Yeah, man. And on the top of the list is one of my. It'd be one of my top favorite guitarists slash head of that, absolute awesome? gentleman, man. Yeah,
0: absolute gentleman. Yeah, I love it. His name is Saul, which is also my name. There you go. So it was. It sounds like a lame connection, but it was a random ass connection. It was like Saul. I'm all I'm okay. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what's up? I know, man. I know. I did the research, man. I know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like if you interview Slash in like Canada or America, you would expect like, you know, it would be a, it would be like a group interview. You know, he'd, it'd be like a kind of group right. style interview. He'd sit down. Each guy could ask like, a question. There was like four people there, man. It was like, and they mostly didn't care. You know, it was like, they would ask a few questions. They'd ask three minutes of questions and they'd leave. Mm-hmm. But most of these guys have like, under contract, like allocated media time. So he, I think he had about 45 minutes, like media time. So everyone left and he had like, I don't know, like 30 minutes or something. And I was like, word, I'm say? Okay, we, cool, man, like, let's <laughs> hang out. Like, <laughs> I mean, I still have more questions, man. Wow. <laughs> and I went with over like 30 minutes and just asked him stuff I wanted to know. And it was cool you know i didn't know he was neighbors with mr rogers you know i I, I didn't know that i did not know that now i know that but uh it was cool and he told me like a bunch of stuff that was like kind of off record too which i won't get into yeah but uh it was really nice
1: i met him once in san francisco and you know how you meet your heroes you've done a bunch of interviews yourself and you go in and you go okay just a normal person but i don't know just about him he had his top hat on yeah, when looked, I met he him. He looked like Slash. He had the sunglasses. He just had that rock. And it's like, yeah, holy like, shit. Yeah, for
0: <laughs> real. Yeah, I think that's one of the first times I was like starstruck with someone. I was like, oh my God, like,
1: dude. Slash. You fit like, the whole. I had an yeah.
0: appetite for destruction when I was like seven. When <laughs> I was like on cassette. So I was just like, dude, like, what? I can't believe this. You know, when he's used to that too, I was, you know, because you lose uh, your shit for a minute. You want to ask him some real questions. It's some shit you want to surprise him. Anytime you interview someone, you always want it to be this like poignant, awesome, like intelligent interview. You know, but in the end, you're just asking the same, like you're smiling there like an idiot. Just like, right, like, cool. Like, well, how is this? Like, what is that guy like? Well, what was this show like? Or yeah. oh, how you played that? Like, I was crazy. How was it? I saw that show it was nuts. Yeah. And he was so amped, man. He was like super chill. He was like such a nice guy and like so reasonable. Like he was, yeah, he was really cool. His his uh, although he had like bodyguards. And I was like, "Hey man, can I get a picture?" And the, immediately the bodyguards like jumping, like, "No man, in a meet and greet." And I had a picture. I had this like picture of him. And I was like, you know, it was like, uh, like what's that Sixteenth Chapel thing where he like the kind of hand off? He's handing off the breast. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and He signs it and he gives it back to me and they <laughs> usher me out. And I was, like, I was like, so I couldn't get a picture with him. But you I know
1: kept, what? He, he wouldn't take a photo of me either. No way. He let me take a photo of him signing my my poster, but. And he wouldn't let me take a photo. Yeah,
0: it, I couldn't so. get a photo. It was nuts. Okay. But every, other than that, he signed my shit. It was, yeah. it was, but it was like last second, you know. It was, I'm surprised I got it back. Yeah. <laughs> no one else did. No, every, everyone else had shit to sign. They were like, no, there was like two other guys there. They're like, no, you're not signing shit. Wow. But I got my, my picture signed. But he was cool. He was a nice guy.
1: Beach Boys. Yeah, that when was did, nuts, man. I was did...
0: the only person there to interview them. No one showed up. Wow. Yeah, it was just me and two of them.
1: So it was Brian Wilson. Yeah, Brian yeah.
0: Wilson and and they were. It's all the brothers,
1: on there? Isn't it all the yeah, Wilson one of, one brothers?
0: Yeah, one of the brothers. No, it was one of the brothers. No. I don't, I don't know. It was two guys. I don't think Two he... guys from the Beach Boys, <laughs> and they were just happy to be there. Yeah, they were like old as fuck. They were just like happy to be there, man. They were just like <laughs> ha- they were just like so am. They had half moon smiles on their face, and they were just like, "Let's do this." And, you know, I asked, something think, about three minutes for the TV station. You know, like basic kind of like, Chinese media questions, like, hey, what do you want to say to your fans here in Shanghai? Are you trying the food? You know, whatever. Once I was out of the way, I kind of was just like, yo, like, so I had to ask them some real questions, and (laughs) they have a pretty insane history. Oh, yeah. You know, like, a really nuts history, which, again, I don't really want to get into. But I was asking some stuff about that, and it just got so real, and there was, there was, like, you know, serious looks, and there were smiles, and, you know, and, like, you know, it it was cool. It was (laughs) really, really good, and yeah, they were also really cool. I wish I could get more into that, but it was really cool.
1: So with you being a, like, interviewing all these celebrities, how do you accept, like, praise? Like, for me, if, if somebody comes up to me and goes, oh, wow, you really did your research, to me, that's a compliment. So what about what is it for you?
0: I mean, it doesn't, like, some of them most of those dudes because everyone who interviews anyone tries to get that one question that's like really dope you know that mm. makes you stand out as like someone who's doing your who's really doing your job but to be honest it was it's it's hard and like once like there's never been a point where I'm like hey man that question was amazing actually that's not true there has been a few there has been a, a, a one or two times but usually it's just like they kind of just stop mm. and like like think about the question and like wait what like like oh shit i wasn't ready for that yeah you know and then they kind of but a lot of their stuff i was talking it was so chill because i wasn't going to use most of it anyways and they were just old dudes who wanted to talk those old guys man they just want to talk oh yeah in shanghai at that time was bringing in a lot of older generation dudes mm. and they just wanted to talk I didn't have to ask that much. I asked a few questions about some of their stuff back in Hollywood and some of their like party days, if you know what I mean. And they just let go. Yeah. Right. And they're just, they went on for like, you know, five, 10 minutes. And they're both kind of jumping in like, no man, that's not, that's not how it happened. You know? And I was like, cool. I just sat back and listened. I was like, man, this is the coolest thing. Yeah. Because ultimately when you're talking to dudes like that, you really just want to listen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Is there one that didn't go very well?
0: andre bocelli like andre bocelli didn't go well not on me if it wasn't my bad but andre bocelli is like like deep blind man like he's blind as fuck so like you know like you gotta know that when you go and you talk to andre bocelli like he's blind that's common knowledge like this dude is blind like he's in, a, he's, in a, he's a legend you know give him the respect you know and like i was like man i was like, hey, andre Mr. andre bocelli what an honor like you know I, he's, a, he's a fucking legend yeah and my cameraman kept Every, every minute was like, Yo, can you, please, sir, can you look at the camera? Can you look at the camera? You go back. He can't look at the camera, man. He is blind, man. Leave him be. He can't look at the camera. It didn't, it didn't happen like once or twice. That was like five times. And Andre Patelio was just like, he's left. He was like, I'm like, I am so sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Like, I, don't, I couldn't even get the apology out, you know? It was gone. I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> How did he come out andrepuchelli like that, man? <laughs> like, oh, oh my god. god. Can, you, can you look at the. Please, please look here. Look here. Just, the face. The face. Eye <laughs> oh, contact. Come the on. The face he gave me on that. Just this expression <laughs> on his face. I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, But, you know, I felt like a piece of shit after that one. But, you know, we, I got some questions in, and he was dope. Yeah, he was dope. I was like, "What do you listen to at home?" And he's like, "I listen to like this is like fusion, like fusion opera pop."
1: Yeah, right. You know,
0: it's not even. It's not like you know, like when they put like beats onto opera. He's like, this "Oh guy. wow!" I just imagined him, you know, bumping his head in his. He probably drives like an X class Ferrari or something. Again, blind he probably does not drive. Fuck.
1: Wow. There's a bunch of them that I want to talk. Uh,
0: about Honestly, like Tony. Tony Bennett was cool. Tony Bennett was super wow. dope because he just talked about like like back in the day he was talking about like um like he was still coming up and like sammy davis like the ma- mafia was, sort of it, well yeah. he was kicking it with like frank sinatra jr and stuff but like senior you're telling me stories like how sammy davis like they no one would go on stage in manhattan if they wouldn't let sammy davis like open wow like Sammy was open yeah, he was, saying, yeah. He was saying all this shit like like sammy davis was like too uh too black for manhattan but too white for harlem like he couldn't go to Harlem and play. Like if Sammy Davis came to Harlem, they were just like like Joker, like get out of here. Because bl- the yeah, they just wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let him in. And then you come to Manhattan, it was the same shit. And the poor guy just like if it wasn't for his crew like standing up for him, the guy yeah. just wouldn't have it. He was telling me like the first time he oh. tried to go see Miles Davis, he'd like wait in line and didn't get in. He was like, "I'm twenty better. like We don't care. You came in, went to Harlem to try to go see Miles Davis. Like, we don't care who the fuck you are, man. You don't fuck, you get who a the ticket. Fuck are you man, like, up. Wait in line. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> twenty minutes waiting in line. So I didn't, didn't even get in. Didn't get in. But I talked to him about like uh, you know, there's a lot of. Um, I think substance abuse back then to was talking a little bit about that. He really, and he was, he was like, uh, he must've been like 89, 89 years old or something. Like he just passed away recently, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very recently. Mm. He just wanted to talk, you know, he just mm. wanted to like hang out and talk and he was like a really nice guy. Like there was no one again, it was just me and him. We were just sitting on this sofa and you know, he asked me what I wanted to drink and he mm. asked the woman to very politely asked the woman to come get me a beer and just a perfect gentleman. Yeah. And just wanted to hang out and it was it was really nice. Yeah. It was super nice. He was great, you know, he was really like really great too. If
1: you're an interviewer and you're comfortable, you want to come in and you just want to listen to him, they just fall into it. And they, they just it's been an hour. Yeah, you know yeah, what
0: exactly. I mean? They have to, someone has to come along. You it's usually like the whoever comes along, PR or whatever, they're like, Yo, let's him on come. the show. Yeah. Yeah, like we're done, we gotta go. Yeah. But it was great and every time they always give you like media passes, you can watch the shows and you just chill. You know, you're mm-hmm. in the box just chilling, or you're backstage chilling. And it's super, super nice, man.
1: So, do they tend to be a group thing, like like in the U.S. and Canada, where it's a whole bunch of media? And no,
0: get... it's not. It's like usually like with Tony Bennett, I was the only person. Right. It, like with well, Slash, there was like three guys. Why is that? Is it just, mean, just that it's not I'm... huge here? I mean, no mm. one. It's a smaller market, I imagine, and it's also less media. You know, right. you've only got like five or six outlets here that are covering stuff like that. Whereas in the States, you'd have like a bazillion magazines who are like, cool, let's go get this interview. Is and that... Most of those guys are kind of used to it. And it's cool. It's, it's way cooler out here because there's less because there is like less media. Mm. So you're just hanging out. It's just you and this dude kicking it. Yeah, there was some, like I saw. I remember hanging out with Reverend Run from like Run DMC. <sighs> and we were just just talking like it was just me and him. You know, for like probably like 40 minutes or something. Just talking yeah. about like hip hop. Yeah. Like what he's listening to and what he feels. And, you know, I remember he had like a stomachache. He had like, he was like, he had like bad like diarrhea or whatever that day. So he was like all pissed off. And he was late for it. He was all bitter when he came up. He's, he's already like a kind of a cold dude, you know. And I was talking to this dude. He was just telling me, he was just like grumpy. He's like, oh man, like, man, it was about Bronx. Was <laughs> Bronx, man, back then. Oh God, they fly me around the world, man. I sing the same eight fucking songs. I don't sing anymore, man. I just want to chill out, man. Just find me a nice bathroom and a big screen TV, man. I'm old. <laughs> and I was just like, all right, man. All right, man. Like, cool. Yeah. But he was chill. Yeah, a lot of the dudes. Nile Rodgers is a legend, man. Big up Nile Rodgers. Mm. Nile Rodgers was like the king of disco. And he produced like Diana Ross and Madonna wow. and... Tana Tana? holloway and... Donna Summers. Oh, and, wow. You know, he's Chic Share. He's the baseline for Rapper's Delight, mm. you know? He was telling me, I remember he told you, he was like, the first time I heard that, he was, he was, at, a, he was at a party. He was like a, like a uh, some some dude's party and the DJ was playing Rapper's Delight, which is the baseline for Chic Share, which he played. That's his baseline. Mm. And he thought the needle was skipping. He's like, why does it keep playing over and over and over? And he went back and he's like, what the hell is that? And it was the white label uh. for uh, Rapper's Delight. And he was like, you better put my name on that. <laughs> shit, man." And they did. And they eventually did. You know, And they eventually did. And he got credit for the bass line. Yeah, this right. is nuts. Yeah.
1: So talking about like the way of uh, rap and DJing, where do you see the future of it, especially here in Shanghai? You said that there's more Chinese uh, people doing that. So, what do you? What's in your opinion? What, what's it's the future?
0: Be more a little like definitely more commercial.
1: Mm. Like, Is that a good uh, thing or a bad thing?
0: It's both. Mm. It leaves less space for the underground, but it makes more money for musicians who, I guess, have the chance to to get that far. Mm. Uh, I think it's gonna be. A lot more like singapore where you're seeing like uh more clubs and shopping malls if you are looking at the new ones in fushing park it's like kind of like disneyland complexes for clubs mm. which could be good or could be bad i mean it doesn't necessarily mean the music won't be good a lot of the big clubs around the world have gone that route have commercialized their clubs I mean, you look at bergheim and in berlin like you can't just walk in there you know like most 90 percent of the guys to try to go up there on a weekend aren't going to get in yeah And that's kind of a vibe. It's its own thing now. You know, it also, like, let's be honest, like, it's hard to make money if you're underground. It's hard to put yourself on the map if you're underground. So at least it gives them, like, a commercial avenue to find some more global success.
1: Can you do it amateur and still do that full-time? Or do you have to have, like, a...
0: You can, but clubs don't really... No club. DJing, you can't, unless you're at a really high-end fear of DJing you're not gonna make a ton of money right. there's only a few clubs that really pay proper big up data they're transparent mm. they always show you what's up and those guys are honest mostly you kind of just get what they give you they might throw you a few K if you're lucky some don't which is it, you know it's still better than most places in the world mm. most places you make nothing maybe a hundred bucks if you're lucky after you play a, a full night, you know? In Japan, you gotta rent the venue, you know? So like, you're not gonna make any money.
1: Mm. You're also involved in the in kids magazine. Yeah, yeah, Tell I us write a little for bit about uh, that. parents
0: and kids in Shanghai family. I used to write a column called Deadbeat Dad for Smart Shanghai. That was both like, it got some good and bad reviews, but uh, my, my, that's, that's when I was kind of first, when I first had my kid, huh. you know, when you're like, you know, uh, we're dealing with a two-year-old on your own. Deadbeat Dad was fun as hell. Read that. You're going to hate it. If you're like, yeah, you might hate it, but you might like it as well. I don't know. But the ones I do for parents and kids are like definitely more, more kind of matured and more nuanced. And uh, yeah, they're great. It's just about like parenting really like the psychological, financial, emotional, social uh, implications um, of parenting and what that is. Like, you know, I love parenting. Cause it is that, man. It's like that there's five things to it, right? You got the finance, uh, your emotional state, your social state, your psychological state. It's super
1: expensive, super expensive. Yeah. And it's so competitive. Are they some of the topics that you sort of bring up in, in this? N- not so <laughs> no? much.
0: Cause that stuff is like, I, that, that's that kind of stuff. Like the, the financial side of it is apparent. And it's also like different to everyone. Um, in terms of the competitiveness, there's, I think I wrote one or two on on competitiveness. It's mostly just about like expectations and like just managing your life well, I suppose. I, don't, I think the last one was about... Um,
1: so are you interviewing people or are you no, just it's, from it's personal just, it's experience? Just, it's
0: just perspective. Right. Okay. I suppose. And they're cool because they usually give me like the future, which is really nice of them. Hmm. And it always gets a really good response. I'm trying to remember the last one was about... Um, it's, like, it's called like midlife, midlife something. It's like getting older and trying to balance your life while also trying to balance the needs of your child. Is like parenting isn't really a hobby. I know a lot of people think like I'm a, I'm a mom, I'm a dad. Like that's what I do, but it's not. Like that's a duty, it's a responsibility. You know, and and some might even say it's a nature. Mm. Like you still kind of have to do like what you like to a certain extent and find the time to be you. Because the more you are you you are also in fact a better parent as a result like the the more you know yourself it's easier to kind of parent your kid yes at that point you can kind of get i guess like a little bit into your own psychology and figure, why, why am, I, I'm am i mad at you i'm mad myself yes or am i perhaps there is a failed expectation that you have not met and is that your fault is that my fault or is it both of our faults mm. and in what way And also like, am I putting unnecessary pressure on you for reasons and how much am I fostering your sense of joy? You know, it's, it's tough. Like there's so much, it's, there's so much shit in parenting, man. It's such a deep and nuanced, I guess, science slash philosophy. I don't know. It's nuts, man. Parenting is fucking nuts, but I love it. It's crazy as hell.
1: We have these kids and they pay all this money and then, okay, teach my kid English. And then it's like, okay, you got to come back next week, and you got to come in and watch the a show next week as parent teacher night. Next night is, and then I'm calling them up and telling him how the week was, how the day was.
0: Dude, a lot of parents need to <clears> chill <throat> the fuck out. Yeah. a lot of parents need to chill the fuck right out. Yeah. look, like at the end of the like at the end of it all, like at some point your kid's gonna be a 35 year old bald probably accountant. Like he's gonna be okay. Your kids most likely gonna be fine. Also, if you have resources, your kids gonna be even more fine. In fact, if you have resources, I'd say worry less about his education because most likely he's already lined up for something that you already have in store for him. Worry more about his like social skills, his sense of ethics, <clears throat> and focus a bit more on that. Say more than say. You know, if he's getting his ABCs down or whatever. I don't know any kids who can't write. I know there are in certain parts of the world who have very disadvantaged parts of the world who have far less resources Mm. and far less access to education. Absolutely. But if you're living within a a situation where you have access to those things, there's very few kids who can't like write or don't know their ABCs or can't read. That's just going to happen. Yeah. I think people, parents especially, need to focus maybe more on their child's philosophies and their approach and their perspective to life as opposed to just looking at the academics, which is often the measure of their children. I
1: totally agree with you. Uh, I'm fighting saying, no, no homework. Uh, Like for for kids, for like four or five years old, six years old, and it's like, no, no. And the, the comment was, Craig, you don't understand. You're not a Shanghai parent.
0: Well, that is true to an extent because there is context in it, right? And Shanghai is a very, very unique context. Hmm. Even for my kid, I can focus on his sense of philosophy and his, his global perspective all I want. But at the end of the day, he's going to school with dudes who are highly competitive and he needs to exist within that system because to fail within that system would affect his confidence. And also like you look at their sense of popularity. It, it, academics also has a very, like large, like social implications here. So the popular kid is the smart kid. You know, a kid who's getting like A's and everything. The class prefect is like, he's the bad man. You know, he's the toughest. He's the roughest. So you do have to foster that sense of competition, which is not bad, but it needs to be put into perspective. Hmm. And there needs to be a lot of reinforcement. Like, dude, honestly, kid, like it's not that big a deal. I know you feel it. And they also need to know that they exist in much, a much larger context. this is grade four. I promise you, like, if these kids are dicks to you right now, you've got time. I know you don't want that. And I know you need to find a way to kind of move up in that. And we're going to help resolve that issue. But whatever issues you're facing here, they're not that big a deal, man. Depending, obviously, depending on what they are, because you're going to be 25 one day. Yeah. You're probably dope, dude. Like, and like, you kind of have to reinforce the positives a lot. My kid, you know, he has a hard time because he's his international school went bilingual which is the uh, state of like a lot of schools recently which is fine but it means he has a lot less lawai in his class in a lot more local influence in terms Got of it. culture which is also fine but it means it's a lot more competitive and a lot more academically focused and he's just yes. like papa like you know all of his friends left all of his Lawai friends left right before covid hit
1: like oh, i mean like shame. eight of
0: them yeah it sucked so he's got this issue now where he's trying to function in this relatively new environment, and find his place in it, being like, okay, never, I never had to do this before. I've always had a bunch of Lawai friends who just skate and hang and we chill, and it's about hanging out and being social and being polite and being kind and all of these more, I guess, kind of philosophies more than academics. And now he's like, you know, Papa, like I'm having a hard time. Like I don't got any friends and it's difficult. And like, like, how do I become popular? Yes. You know, and I'm like, well, man, like, listen, you, the popular kids are the ones who are either good at sports or good at academics. So those are the two routes if you want to do that. If you want to do that, we can work that way, man. I can help you out. We can work in that direction if that's what you want to do. But also, it's not necessary, man. Like, You don't need to do it. I know you want to do it. It's a different thing. but You need to understand that it's not necessary, man. And this is just a small, very small piece of your life. And also, the second you leave school, you're going to go out, you're going to hit the skate park, and you're going to be skating with a bunch of 20-year-olds who love you. Yeah. think you're the best kid in the world. And you're popular there. You need to understand there's two different worlds. School isn't everything. Yes. Okay. And that needs to be like uh, a line that's been drawn. Like, there is school life and there's outside life. For many of the kids who go to school, this school is life. All life. Yes. You're done school, you go to after school. Yes. I really want, I really think these kids need to understand that, dude, that's not your whole life. There's more to life than just this. And if you're having a hard time here, don't worry so much because you have this other side of life that you can excel at. So I think that needs to be something that Amen. is like made prevalent, um, especially with small kids, man, because small yeah. kids, they're growing up. I look at some of the kids my, my <clears> kid hangs out with, man, and these kids are intense.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> very intense. And, yep, you're only a kid once. Yeah, you know. Enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah, I mean
0: it, just find try to find the balance. Yeah. Like, it's hard to teach a nine year old perspective. Yeah. He's, that's been, right. he's been on the earth for nine years. Yeah, that's right. How much perspective can you really gain in nine years? Yes. But you kinda have to put it in perspective for them.
1: Well they're putting perspective when they're three and four year old. Yeah. I mean that that's yeah. hardcore.
0: Yeah, it really is. I should
1: be learning about manners and behavioral. I mean
0: it should be all of it, but mm. it should all be kept within I think a certain balance. And also there should be like, look, man. It's academics aren't the whole world, and also, like, if you feel that you're different, that's okay. I -hmm. think there's a lot of pressure to kind of assimilate here, especially in schools. They really want, they really kind of pride, like who is the most the same. Like you're the dopest, you know. Everyone's got the same haircut, and (laughs) my kid's got an undercut. He wants dreads. I'm like, you can't. I'm not (laughs) into dreads, man. (laughs) <laughs> can't dread your hair man trust me it's not gonna <laughs> it's, go well you know he's got like a gnarly undercut and like cornrows and stuff and he's like <laughs> he looks badass yeah you know and he skates one of his friends skate at school he's got friends outside of school who skate. None of his friends in school skate oh you know they're more into like badminton or soccer everyone loves yeah. soccer and he's like i don't know anything with soccer papa Like, i don't i don't know like who's mbappe like do i have to like <laughs> If we research Mbappe, I'm like, yeah, man, we can. Sure, let's, let's research Mbappe. You want talking points, buddy? I got you. Let's line them up, you know? I think he has a hard time.
1: Yeah, anyway. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
0: Even at the worst of times, life is still awesome.
1: Right. That's good. And if someone wants to get into DJing that's in Australia at the moment, what advice would you give them?
0: Everyone's a DJ, just download the software, get the little rinky-dink controller, those little play-school things, just start DJing. If you wanna be a good DJ, I don't know. It's, find out what you wanna do. If you wanna be a commercial DJ, just download the pop songs and play the pop songs, walk into a restaurant that's popular and tell them you'll do it for free. And then, then you'll just slowly kind of climb up a ladder and that's how you begin. If you wanna be like a DJ playing kind of more art, more like you wanna make your craft more art, Find shit that no one's ever heard. Walk into a club every, every weekend and just demand a slot until mm-hmm. they give it to you. Okay.
1: That's great. Your top two or three as of today. Uh, what are your top two or three favorite artists as of today?
0: Someone I can always listen to? All right, Smashing Pumpkins. Mm. I'm going to get backlash on that. Siamese Dreams. Only Siamese Dreams. Great album. Nothing, nothing else. Siamese Dreams is dope. The Juggernauts this is Brooklyn Hip Hop Collective. I don't know if you guys know them, but you should. Big mm. up the Juggernauts and Supercat.
1: Your okay. yeah, two or three favorite books?
0: What's his name? Mike Harris. Uh, it's End of God or End of Religion? It's just super anti-religion. It's a good book, though and End of Faith End of Faith by Mike Harris is a great book Bushido by Inazani Tobe big up you know what recently I just read the last it's not a book it's a graphic novel The Last Ronin by um, it's a Ninja Turtles comic I bought them for my kid (laughs) but this story is so thick and it's such good art (laughs) like it's so dope I must have read it like I read it once I read it in like an hour and I read it like six times after and it's (laughs) so dope it's brand new The Last Ronin read Last Ronin It's it's the the newest Ninja Turtle comic. Got it. It's not for kids. It's definitely an adult comic, but it's so sick. Oh, so... Like, all the turtles are dead. You know, they're all dead. Oh, really? one alive. He's got no mask on. so you don't know who he is because turtles just look like turtles.
1: Oh. And he's just
0: trying to avenge the death. He's like an old man. He's just trying to avenge the death of his brothers and his masters. Wow. And he's cutting through New Tokyo, which is a cyberpunk city of Tokyo, to fight Karai's daughter who is the last descendant of shredder and it's gnarly as fuck <laughs> it's the like blood and guts it's so it's so yeah, like touching right. you're, it'll bring it to to your eye wow And at the end i don't want to spoil it but it's a, such a sad ending but it's, it's great wow it's a great fucking book
1: two or three favorite movies
0: um natural born killers come on be kind rewind
1: hmm
0: and um back to the future
1: three i just watched the the musical in new york on broadway. for what on broadway
0: of back to the future yes what did you yeah. know that there's a musical about that just for come
1: real? just come out no last month is it sick it's amazing no way they've got like the uh the flux capacitor and the no. the, the time machine and it goes up and it get turns around and like visually is it sick? Oh yeah, it's amazing. Really? Yeah. So they changed that. They don't shoot him anymore. They don't shoot him. He takes some some sort of chemical. Oh
0: I see. Yeah. Nice and
1: see. so politically, yeah. Oh, he said the Arabs were. Didn't he say the Arabs oh, yeah, were coming again? Right, yeah. <laughs> so they politically they can't <laughs> do that. So they changed that the story to. He took some pol- uh, plutonium or something, or something, right. something like that and then that's right yeah. Doc right yeah, Doc. Yeah, Doc. yeah so it was pretty much all Back to the Future 1 the Middle East and um, star, Doc Brown yeah he yeah. goes back into the future and you go, he runs into the hay thing and yeah it was really cool I love
0: Broadway musicals man. I don't like cats uh, fuck cats but I saw Wicked here and I loved it I got tickets to Titanic oh so wow so I'm gonna go see Titanic next Saturday I guess not this one coming but uh, not tomorrow but uh, the one after I'm gonna take oh, the kid and take them like, it's really cool shit.
1: yeah yeah all right three places you've been to and then three places that you want to go to in the future,
0: man, Mount Koya in Japan, Koya, where they bear the emperors and stuff, redwood forest on a wow. mountain, a redwood for Redwoods are enormous trees, if, you know, redwood forest on the mountain. There's no hotels. Like they'll, you have to ask, they let you into the temples. If you're cool They let me in, i stayed a few months with those guys. They kicked me out for having sex, <laughs> which happened. That's how it happened. <laughs> those rice paper those like the rice stores you know and they don't Ross. they don't like block anything yeah so they were pissed about that but they're still cool i still talk to the monks that's a dope place go to mount Koya, Koyasan, san rio de janeiro brazil Just, agreed like, their sound is so <sighs> nice so dope and like their vibe is so so rad
1: Missed that place spent
0: a couple years in rio rio is dope <sighs> hang out in rio you know what fucking montreal montreal montreal's sick man Like, I play, every time I play a show at Montreal, it's, standards are so high, but the quality of, like, art, the quality of the, the, I play at clubs with the best sound systems I've ever seen in my life, like, their standards are so high on everything Mm. they do. Montreal's dope, whether you're, like, getting a sandwich on the street, it's, like, the best sandwich you're going to have on the fucking street. You know, if you go to, like, a club, it's going to be the best sound system you've heard. You go to an underground club, it's going to be the grimiest club you've been to, you know, like...
1: That was great. The underground club that I went to was amazing. I played yeah.
0: a dub reggae party in the basement of a Jamaican restaurant with exposed pipes. And like if you jump, you'd hit your head on them. And they were serving beer to paper cups until like the sun came up. It was fucking rad,
1: man. Yeah. Right. It
0: was so dope. Wow. Yeah. Big up Montreal.
1: Last one. Uh, who's your greatest inspiration slash hero and why?
0: Maximiliano. You know what? Maximiliano pure. just, just dude, this exchange student when I was in university. This kid came to um, University of Ottawa or was studying from Belgium. And he just had the best perspective, man. He was just pure 100% kindness and reasonability. No anger. not a drop of anger in him. And I spent a year hanging out with this dude. And it had, I think, a large effect on how I function with the world now and how I, like, maximize my sense of kindness uh, mm. as best I can. You know, try to not step away from like hate and anger and you know it's sometimes that's hard and just be like a nice person Mm. you know just like a nice just try to be like a nice person yes at least you know
1: i've had a a very successful guy come on here and he said he said the one thing exactly what you just said uh, well the one thing i've learned about this whole entertainment industry be a nice guy yeah, just be like a be nice, nice person. person.
0: Just in general, in life in general, just, just be like a nice dude. Yeah. You know, if someone's coming at you, and they're hard, and they're in your face. Just try to diffuse it with kindness. Yeah. You know, there's generally no reasons for violence or hate or anger. Anger's a fuck. Anger's like rough, man. Like anger's anger's a tough one. If You can yeah. avoid anger. I would just like avoid anger.
1: Just Everyone like gets it. it, but there's ways to deal <clears throat> with it, right?
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I got my kids got that like. Cause my kids are sick at that mm. about just like. Dealing with his anger in very positive ways and coming out with kindness, like on top,
1: He's That's that. a good trait to have. Yeah, so young. Yeah, something we
0: definitely emphasize in our household.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. great way to finish right. it. Big Thank up, you so much, Thank man. Thank you, Craig. I Thank appreciate you. it, man. am Bala Bala Simple Chinese School. If you are a beginner, intermediate, advanced, looking for HSK study, business Chinese or simply want to improve your everyday communication, I'm the teacher for you. Come and join me for a free travel class at Balanced Simple Chinese School.